Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Hey there, welcome back once again as we begin our series leading up to Christmas called The Hopes and Fears. Now, probably when you're watching this, it's a couple days after Thanksgiving, the last weekend in November, and you're hearing hopes and fears. Ooh, and you're all keyed up because we're gonna talk throughout this series about how we all have fears about various things in life, but God is gonna take care of them. And he's gonna insert hope into our lives instead. And for the last month of 2020 and on into 2021, you're excited because your fears are gonna go away and God is going to replace them with hope in his sure and certain promises. And you're excited and that all sounds fantastic. And then we hit Isaiah 64. We run straight into it. And let me tell you, if you're somewhat of a normal person, (laughs) you don't want to read Isaiah 64. Or maybe you'll read it, but you don't want to dwell on it. You would much rather listen to a sermon, say, on Isaiah 40 or Isaiah 11 or Isaiah 61 which, by the way, that's the next three weeks. But Isaiah 64? Nah, not so much. Because Isaiah 64 is what is called a lament. Now, maybe you know there's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations. Probably not very many people's favorite book of the Bible. But a lament is this. It is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And in Isaiah 64, that's exactly what we have. And let me tell you, today, this is where we need to be. In lament, with Isaiah, this is where God wants us to be. Because lament is a very real part of life, a very real part of the Christian life, I gotta tell you. So, here it is. Isaiah's lament to God from Isaiah 64, verses 1 through 8. Here we go. Oh, that. Remember those words. Oh, that you, God, would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet, you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. 
We are all the work of your hand. That's God's word. Oh, that. It's a wishful cry. Oh, that the year 2020 would have turned out differently. Oh, that the relationship wouldn't have gotten broken. Oh, that I wouldn't have messed it up. Oh, that there would be a COVID vaccine already. Oh, that 2021 will be better than this year. Oh, that. It's really the cry of a broken heart. And that's what we have here, Isaiah's broken heart. He's saying, God, you got to do something. Make it all right. Rend the heavens, tear them apart, rip apart the thing that separates you from us, that hides us from you, and come down, God, and do something. Fix it. Make the mountains tremble. You can, God. I know you can. I've heard about you doing it. Make the most powerful people in the world. Make them quake in their boots before you. Just do something, God. Fix it. Do something so that everyone in the world just knows exactly who you are. Oh, that is the cry of a broken heart. But we don't like to do that. We don't like to sit and say, oh, that, and and lament. We don't like it. And, And that's not what our culture tells us to do either. Like our culture tells us, don't ever cry, don't ever show your emotions, just, just grit your teeth and get through it. Our culture says that we should present ourselves as always bright and beautiful and put together and sure and optimistic. Put on the emotional armor and just get it done. Keep pushing. Eventually, it'll get better. That's what, that's what our culture says. And we, we fit into that. But also as Christians, we think things like this. We think I'm supposed to always be happy. I'll tell you, and and I, I would guess that almost any pastor, probably every pastor would say things like this. People will say, even to me, pastor, I I was crying during worship on Sunday. Man, I, I hope no one saw that. Or, or at funerals or at death, as people grab their handkerchief yet again, they'll say, oh man, I, I really shouldn't. I shouldn't be like this. And when we're in pain, real deep pain, we're quick to say, maybe this is you, we're quick to say, oh, but you know, you know, that other person, they've got it much worse than I do. So, so I, I shouldn't really, I shouldn't really be this emotional. Now, in a sense, I get it. There's a place for that, but there is also a place for lament, for serious lament, serious saying, oh, that. And so here's Isaiah, because he gets this, and here he is lamenting the state of the world. But then he, he chokes. It's like he hiccups. It's, it's like he, he tried to eat too much pecan pie and swallow it all at the same time, and it didn't work out for him. He's going on, he's inviting God, almost commanding God to be so grieved at the state of the world that he just can't take it, so he has to rip open the heavens and come down. He's in the middle of saying that, and then he chokes, then he hiccups. He totally changes course. Did you catch that? All of a sudden, Isaiah says, we continued to sin against your ways, God. 
And then Isaiah asks the question that is central to this entire text. He says, how then can we be saved? And that takes us right to the deep, dark truth. We don't like lamenting. And at least part of the reason, and I would propose most or all of the reason that we don't like to lament is because when we lament our world, we end up lamenting because we actually see what's wrong with us. And that's what happened here too. Isaiah said, all of us, all of us become like one who is unclean. And then he goes further. He says, we're like a spiritual virus. Like everything we touch gets infected. It gets stained. It gets tainted. And in fact, he said, even our best actions, the best things we do, they're tainted. He says, all our righteous acts, good things, truly good things, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. The best thing you've ever done. He says, it's it's dirty. Now, All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Maybe you've heard that before. That's really too clean of a way of saying it though. Now this, it it doesn't get to the starkness of the comparison. And I want you to hear that because these words, they might be jarring. But a more literal translation would read like this. All our righteous acts are like used sanitary napkins. That's more literal most literal would be like this. Our righteous acts are like garments of menstruation. What gets deposited in those little receptacles inside every women's bathroom stall. Now, I know, I know that's jarring, strong language, but There's no use sugarcoating lament. The Bible doesn't do it. There's no use saying things in a nice, tidy, clean sort of way because the situation of our hearts, Isaiah says, it's not clean and tidy. We don't like lamenting our mess and our uncleanness, but it's there whether we like to lament it or not. It's there just the same. We have to lament. A commentator said it this way. He said, our hearts must break over what is broken now so that our hearts can break open with hope for what will yet be. Let me say that once more. Our hearts, they must break over what is broken now in us so that our hearts can break open with hope for what will yet be. And that is where Isaiah goes in verse eight. He says, yet you, Lord, Yet, you, Lord, are our Father. In spite of our mess, our sin, our filthy rags, He's not just our Father, He is our perfect Father. He is our perfect Father who has a perfect heart for us, who grieves over over the messed up world, just as we do, and who grieves over His messed up people, so much so, that he couldn't take it. He he doesn't have time to go to the kitchen and grab the scissors and neatly cut open the space between heaven and earth. No, Isaiah said he rent it open. He tore it open. He rents and he says, I got to get down there to those people that I love and fix it. And someday he's going to come again. And let me tell you when he does, and we talked about this earlier this morning, Jesus said, be ready. Let me tell you when he comes, you are ready. 
you will be completely safe when God comes again because of what God did when he came the first time he rent the heavens open and came down to earth. He did, as Isaiah said, what no one expected. He did the inconceivable. He was conceived as part of creation itself. And he was the only human being in history who spread cleanliness, like, dare I say it, a virus. Everything we touch gets infected, gets tainted. But everything Jesus touched became clean. And this is what he did for you and for me. He did this in your baptism. He washed all your sins away and he pronounced clean. And then in the rest of his life, to use the words of Isaiah 64, he shows us that he didn't come to burn us down. He came to be burned down so we would never be. He didn't come to put us in hot water with God. He came to get us out of hot water. He didn't come to let us shrivel up like a leaf or to be swept away in death by our sins. No, he came to sweep away our sins by forgiving them. And he himself was swept away in death. So that death itself, your death, or the death of your loved one, that death itself is the way that God ultimately, through death, he brings you to be closer to him than you've ever been in this entire life. That's what God did the first time he rent open the heavens and came down. And what that means is don't shy away from lament. Don't shy away from coming face to face with what is wrong with you. We can sit, we must sit in lament in our lives and say, God, Oh, that, come and fix it, fix me. Burn away every part of my life that is wrong. Don't tell yourself, I I shouldn't really feel this way, this lamenting. No, say, oh, that. Say, oh, that to the general state of the world. Say, oh, that to loneliness. Say, oh, that to cancer in old people and young people, to dying old and dying young. Say, oh, that to the relationship that you lost this year, to the one that you actually messed up and broke. Say, oh, that to the way that your own heart struggles to find true contentment in God himself. Say, oh, that to even how how even your best day is tainted in filth. Say, oh, that, and lament. And then live in the hope, the sure and certain hope that your God says, oh, that, too. And he's going to come down when the time is just right. He's going to rend his garments, rend the skies, and fix it. Make everything new once again. So lament, say, oh, that, and, and hope. Hope in the God who came down at Christmas, not just to feel our pain and hurt with us, but the one who came down to hurt for us, to hurt in our place so we would never have to hurt and be in pain the way he was when he ultimately, not not when he was born, but when he hung on the cross and was separated from his own father, the one who came to not just hurt with us, but to hurt for us. Hope in that God. 
hope in the God who will one day come again to fix fully what he has already forgiven. Lament. Say, oh, that and hope. Lament in what isn't just yet, but hope in what certainly will be. And when that day comes, and only God knows when, when that day comes, when when he tears open the sky and appears again, your heart will on that day finally lament no more because it will not be the time for lamenting. No, that will be the time for your heart to feel the bliss that you've always wanted to feel. And when God tears open the sky again and comes back, your heart will cry out, oh, that. You will gasp, oh, that, in an entirely new way. Because you see then, oh, that. It won't be the cry of a broken heart. It will be the cry of a heart that is finally completely Oh, that. Amen.